If you have been a listener of the show for the last little while, you will know that I am a huge believer in using your intuition and leaning into the feminine energy in business. Not only have I seen it transform my clients and students' businesses from moving from that masculine logic, very strategic, into the flow and alignment of that feminine energy in their business. But me personally, my journey has been twisty, turny in entrepreneurship and my grounding place, the place where I fall back into alignment each and every time is following my intuition. Today's guest is the perfect person to have on the show to talk all about intuitive decision-making and really starting to listen to that inner voice or inner wisdom. Laura Hale is an intuitive guide, yoga instructor, Reiki master, and hypnosis practitioner. She loves to help people access and trust their intuition, specifically by learning to make intuitive decisions. No more pros and cons lists, no more looking at all of the possibilities. Instead, Laura wants to help you learn to access your own inner guru so you can feel confident taking your next steps in whatever that means for you. I'm excited to introduce you to Laura today, so let's dive right into the episode. Welcome to the Magnetic Business Podcast, a show for surface-based entrepreneurs who are ready to live their purpose, share their passion, and design a magnetic brand and business. Join me, your host and guide, Lexi Sparrow, each and every week as I talk about the foundations of building a business in a way that honors your unique energy. Together, we'll go through actionable mini trainings for starting and growing your business, chat with guest experts, and expand your ideas of what's possible for you and your business. We'll talk about the energetics of business, conscious entrepreneurship, human design, using your intuition, and exploring your spiritual side, along with proven and actionable business strategies. I create each and every episode to inspire you to rethink the way you work, grow your impact, and design a business that allows you to thrive. If you're ready to create your magnetic business, let's dive in. Hey, Laura, welcome to the show. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited to be here, Lexi. Now you are an intuitive guide, a yoga instructor, a Reiki master, and a hypnosis practitioner. So how did you get into all of this? Because I feel like most of us, I know maybe this is a general assumption, but we don't kind of grow up and go, I'm going to be an intuitive guide. Yeah. It's kind of something that, you know, happens later in life or, you know, as we get introduced to it, it's not necessarily like, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a Reiki master, at least not yet. You know, maybe the future it will be. So how did you kind of, you know, walk the path into yoga and Reiki and hypnosis and kind of get first introduced to this whole other world? That's a really good question. Um, it's funny you're asking this because I was just thinking about the way you were describing it. It's like, I think some people do get to grow up with those kinds of parents and family members, but I was not one of those people. I grew up with a super just normal average American family. And um, I just remember, honestly, Madonna doing yoga. <laughs> and so I always have loved Madonna. So I was like, Oh, if she's doing yoga, I can do that. So I bought a VHS tape, I think Amazon was already around back then. 
And so I did this one VHS tape forever. And then I kind of got away from it for a while. And then I was, I went to school, went to college, graduated, worked at Arthur Anderson in Chicago after I graduated. And that was around the time of both 9-11. And for those of you old enough to remember the Enron scandal, Mm. Arthur Anderson was the accounting firm for Enron. And I was at Arthur Anderson at the time. So I was in the consulting side, not the accounting side, but it just kind of rocked my world because that company was 90 years old at the time. And it was one of the big five accounting firms. And it doesn't exist anymore because of that. So people were getting fired right and left. And it just I was like, oh, this isn't really actually stable, you would think a corporate job would be somewhat stable. So I decided to quit all of that. And I went back to school to become a high school Spanish teacher, stability, and summers off. And so I did that for a few years. And I added teaching an immersion program in Spain during the summer for a few years. And I just sort of burnt myself out. But before I started the immersion program, I actually did a summer yoga teacher training. So I started finally going to just take regular yoga classes. And of course, you know, I had a friend just say, you should become a yoga teacher. And I thought, well, that would be nice. Then yoga would be free to take. So I did that. And then I, it was kind of like a little bit of a wake up call, but I kind of ignored it. So then I went back to teaching after that summer was over and then started adding these summers in and just really burnt myself out and got this really crazy food allergy. It was the fall of 2009 and I felt like I had food poisoning off and on. So I didn't really know what it was at first, but I had had a psychic reading a few years before and that person told me to keep an eye out for food allergies and I had totally forgotten about it. Well, my dad is a family physician, so I'm feeling really sick and I call him and he says, well, you probably just have IBS. And I'm like, dad, you have been telling me I have IBS for like a decade. So I feel like this is different than that. And I was just miserable. And so he ordered a blood panel. So I got my blood tested and I had all of these foods that were kind of off the charts on the blood test. And my eosinophil count was really high. So any medical people out there would know more about this, but it's a white blood cell. And it was at 58. The number was 58 or 59. And it was supposed to be between zero and eight. So it was way off the charts, actually kind of dangerous. Like you can't operate like that for very long. And so I cut all of the foods out from the blood panel. Then I went to a regular allergy doctor where they do the skin prick test. And he gives me this whole list of foods. And he basically is like, after he calls in his medical student to see my crazy case with this eosinophil number he's never seen before. Um, And I was like, this is really helpful. Like, let's get an audience in here to look at my crazy case, because that (laughs) makes me feel really good. (laughs) So he gave me this big list of foods and basically was like, you know, most of these you'll be able to eat after just a few weeks of just taking a break from them. And, but then he goes, you will never be able to eat eggs again. And in my head, I heard this voice and it said, no. And there was like the version of me that was sitting in there kind of paralyzed by the whole thing and what he was saying. And he's like, I'm going to send you to my, your nutritionist because you're probably going to have to make your own salad dressings. And I was like, I'm sorry what is happening? (laughs) And so I got through that whole appointment and left, cried for a while, of course. And then I, um, I just like had this thought to myself and I was like, you know what? I am not going to live like this. I refuse for this to be the rest of my life. And so I just started asking my yoga friends about other ideas besides just cutting all these foods out. And one of them sent me to an energy healer And when I got there, I thought to myself, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It just felt like home. 
And I also went to a NAIT practitioner, which is a type of allergy elimination technique where they use acupuncture needles. And that guy looks like Santa Claus and he's a retired anesthesiologist. And he says, you know, you don't need me to heal yourself. You actually can heal yourself on your own. And so he gave me this book called by Louise Hay called You Can Heal Your Life. And it's a little bit of a guide of like, kind of like the spiritual or, emo or emotional meaning behind illnesses. So you can kind of look up the illness you have and then find out like, what is it you're like believing or what is it that you're kind of stuck in that's causing it. I don't remember allergies off the top of my head, but I went to a few of those sessions with him and eventually I started trying out eggs again. My blood numbers never went back up. I had to keep getting tested just to be sure. But um, I, I just, I don't know. I'm just like, it was like this moment in time where I decided I don't believe in permanence and like these things have to be permanent. So I don't know if you've seen the Heal documentary on Netflix, but it's sort of about this idea that our minds are really powerful. You know, if you think about the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. um, so in that documentary, they say there's the diagnosis and then there's the prognosis. And so, you know, the diagnosis was you cannot eat eggs. And I believed him because I felt horribly. And then the prognosis was ever again. I decided not to accept that and change my, my outcome. So um, really, though, the whole thing was kind of a wake-up call to get me to move on with my life. And so I eventually, it took me a couple of years, but I did quit teaching. And I started teaching yoga more full-time. And then I decided to start a business with a couple of friends. And they had things they were going to do, but I didn't have anything. I was like, what am I going to do in this business we're starting? <laughs> so I decided to go do Reiki training. And um, eventually started to teach Reiki to other people. And then my best friend and I, she was running this yoga studio and I was working there teaching Reiki, running this, running the studio. And we both decided we were kind of over it. We're both single in our forties and we decided to move to Asheville, North Carolina together. So we did that in late 2018. And then we started our own business together where we were doing this type of healing, like um, we'd already taken the hypnosis training. So we were doing some of that hypnosis training and the Reiki and coaching and things like that. But ultimately we decided that we were kind of trying to accommodate each other too much. So we decided that wasn't going to work. So in the fall, we dissolved that and was kind of went our own way. I mean, our friendship is really strong, but we basically decided to save the friendship over the business. And so now we're kind of doing our own things. And so I'm taking all of this stuff from the last 10 years and really focusing in on what I know the best from all of that experience. And that is that we have this connection, this inner wisdom, I like to call it the inner Oracle that knows the answer. And this really started back in high school with this physics class that I took the teacher in there, the rumor around the school was that he was a certified genius. <laughs> and I don't know if that's true or not, but he would teach us our lesson and then put us in groups and nobody had any idea what was going on. And so we'd go ask him a question about the problems that we were working on. And he would go, you know, <laughs> he did that over and over again. I would get so mad, but then fast forward in all of these studies and all of these things that I've been doing, I found the Institute of Heart Math and they actually have this contraption you can buy that you clip to your ear and it teaches you how to breathe to put your heart into coherence. Now they could explain better what that means, but basically it means you calm down. And they did a study with 
high school kids taking the SAT. And so they split them into two groups. They all took the test. Then they had six months before they took it again. One group studied and the other group did the heart coherence and, the, and did not study. And the group that did the heart coherence and did not study more did better than the group that continued studying. So this idea that we have kind of this access to all of these fields of information that are out there um, is kind of where I'm going with this. It's like, not just for ourselves, we have, um, you know, we can connect into our own inner wisdom to make our own decisions, which is what I like to teach. But there are all these studies and books and things, and then the hundredth monkey effect that show that consciousness is like a, a stream that we can tap into. So that's what I really work with people on is getting more personal with that than trying to tap into the field of infinite consciousness to learn whatever, like calculus or physics, but it's more about going inside and making those decisions that come from a place of authenticity versus looking around at everyone else and seeing what everyone else is doing. And, um, and it's definitely more of like the feminine energy where you're receiving the wisdom from yourself versus trying to figure it out. And figuring it out would go along the lines of like a pro con list. So every time I've tried to make a pro con list, I usually just get more frustrated. And we're already making 35,000 decisions a day. And the pro con list is like more decisions, you're trying to figure out what goes on the pro what goes on the con, which how do you weigh something more than the other thing. And not that it can't be helpful, I'm sure it's going to give you some more insight. But what I really do is I train people specific to use specific techniques to actually be able to project themselves into the future decision they're trying to make and see so they can feel the outcome kind of ahead of time, if that makes sense. So I like to actually just a really easy one is if you pretend like you're going to your least favorite restaurant to order the food, that would be like the worst thing you could imagine ordering. And you feel what that's like in your body because your body will react to that and it will be somewhat subtle. So if anybody out there wants to do this right now, you just kind of imagine yourself doing that go to that restaurant that you hate would never want to go to order something you'd never want to eat and just sit in it and feel that. And then you just flip flop that and go to your favorite restaurant eating your favorite meal and feel that what that feels like. And so that's just kind of a jumping off point. I don't know if you had any reaction to that, Lexi. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like there's so much to unpack here, but I definitely <laughs> want to back up a little bit and then jump right back into the exercise. But, yeah. you know, obviously your story, the way that it kind of looped and twisted and turned and was you just, you know, deconditioning to listen to that inner voice and you wouldn't be as powerful of a teacher and have all these experiences if you would have just gotten it after like one speed bump or one challenge or one pivot, right? It's kind of like the universe was like, Laura, we're going to throw a bunch of stuff at you that you're going to have to navigate through to really learn how to listen to their inner voice. So that's one thing that I picked up on for your story, your personal story. But then even talking about, you know, all of the amazing research and you, you know, you mentioned a couple studies and I could even think of, you know, a handful more that we're seeing now in terms of that there is this inner voice intuition, whatever you want to call it, that we have this inner compass, this decision maker, this guide that lives 
within us or around us or however you visualize it yourself, but that yet we are still so convinced that we need the logical information, Mm -hmm. right? That was one thing that you were saying that, you know, we always are looking for another answer, another answer, more information, more science, more validation, more societal opinions, whatever it is that we're using to make these decisions, you know, big, small, um, or even things like studying for the SATs. Okay, so I didn't do as well the first time. That means that, you know, I need more information. But right. but what you're kind of saying is based on these studies, and again, I, I can think of like a handful more, is actually, that's the huge distraction. It's that we're all set up to believe that we need this external information, external validation, external answer. But what you're teaching people how to do is just quiet that all and turn inward because you actually have the answers. But what it seems is that so many people just don't trust that, right? So maybe Mm -hmm. there's that first hump in the paradigm shift of believing that that's even true, right? Believing that you have that inner knowing, like you hearing the voice of, no, I'm going to eat eggs one day. Like, no, it's not going to be forever. And then the next step is the, okay, I can hear this inner voice or I'm starting to recognize it, but how do I actually follow that versus everything else that I'm told. And so you gave a really amazing exercise for us to start to just think about that it's connected to our feelings and those emotions and, you know, feeling as an emotion, but actual physical feeling in our body when we think about visiting those two restaurants. So you can kind of drive, dive back into that exercise, but um, I think that's kind of painting the picture of where we're going here of, okay, the conversation is really a lot of us have been brought up to not trust ourselves, essentially. So how do we trust ourselves? How do we get to listen to that inner voice? So let's jump back into that exercise of starting with the feelings. Why do you feel like that is a great starting point or, you know, an exercise for someone to start out with? Well, first of all, the exercise itself is so neutral. I mean, it's, it's, it's a decision that you can, you know, you can make in your life and that you're doing it all the time. You just, it's not so obvious because you're choosing not to go to a restaurant you hate. Like, obviously you wouldn't do that, but it's, um, it's really, uh, tangible and you can start to practice with it without it actually being a big decision you're trying to make. So what I found about this is that it's, it's just the way you described it, you know, tapping into that inner wisdom, it's actually a skill. And so it's just like learning to play the piano playing basketball for the first time, you have to practice and you have to keep revisiting it to get better at it. So that's how the trust comes in is being able to do these types of practices and then have them work out right. So it's um, part of it's also kind of, you know, I know everyone listening here has probably had a moment where they've said, I knew that was going to happen. Like there was a part of you that just knew something was going to happen and you maybe kind of ignored it. Like I got a speeding ticket the other day (laughs) for the first time in like 20 years. And I was reflecting back on all of the things that I missed or ignored actually to, to show me that I needed to slow down. And one of them was when I put Google maps on, I thought to myself, I really should put ways on in case there's a speed trap. And then I ignored it. And then, um, I can't remember there's something else that had happened, but I was like, oh yeah, and I ignored that too. Oh, there was a person driving really slowly in front of me for a really long time. And right when I was able to get around them, I sped up and that's when the cop was right there. So the person in front of me was 
trying to get me to slow down and I was ignoring it. So it's looking at those things that happen and kind of like constantly observing and, and checking in for those types of clues that are out there where you, you have the thought and then you bypass it because all of this that we're talking about is so subtle. Usually the big no in my head during the doctor's visit was not subtle, but usually it's just a kind of a subtle nudge. And so doing an exercise like the restaurant one is a really good way to start to feel how subtle that is. And yoga for me is also a good way because I teach specifically yin yoga, which is a style of yoga that's essentially like yoga napping. You just lay around in poses on the floor. And then you, when you get out of the pose, what you're actually doing is you're kinking up the meridian lines, which are the lines that acupuncturists put needles in. You're kinking up the meridian lines in the pose, and then you're releasing it. And then you can actually feel that subtle energy kind of leave your body or shift in your body. So it's more practice on going inside and allowing yourself to kind of be still, but then to feel that subtle energy in your body, because, you know, we have our mind and yoga, they kind of talk about different layers of the body and there are different systems all around the world that talk about this. But if I'm going to really simplify it, it's you have body, mind, heart or emotions, and then spirit. So all of these layers of us can be informative. So we have the mental which we were talking about, it's kind of like the logical process through it. And sometimes you have aha moments when you're doing that. So it's not that you want to totally toss it out. But if you're exhausting yourself with it, or that's your only method, you're really missing out. The body is also something that can give you information when you approach some something that just doesn't feel right. And everyone's going to have a different sensation in their body. Some people might feel it in the stomach. Sometimes you might feel it in the chest. Um, and that's sort of what that exercise is for is to get us to start to practice feeling it. And so I have a lot of different ideas for how you practice that. I actually have a freebie on my website to get started with this, but um, I also have a course that's coming up in June, but anyway, there's just a million ways to practice, but it's really just kind of being centered and focused on what's happening. So you've got the body, your emotions, so if something feels scary or feels um, like you're uncertain about it, you actually have to explore what that fear is because, you know, you don't always run away from everything you're afraid of. But if it's like the restaurant thing, there's sort of like a constriction around going to the restaurant that you didn't like. So I always think of this idea of constriction and expansion. So if you feel more constricted with a decision, it's closing in, it's shutting down, it's going to it's kind of, you know, locking in, but then there's the expansion and the, the opening when you think about going to the restaurant that you like. And that opening, that expansion is really what we're trying to chase. And sometimes the expansion just comes from sheer relief. Relief is a really big kind of in between, like a medium sensation. It's not super joyful and like you're so excited, but you just feel relieved, which is expansive. And so I always tell people, you're trying to kind of head toward the thing that is opening you up or makes you feel more open and whether it seems logical to anyone else or not. Um, so kind of in the emotional realm, back to the fear, if you're, you know, there's the idea of like being excited and afraid. So you kind of have to sort through the emotions a little bit more. They're just much more complicated, but the body can kind of help inform that. And then the spiritual side of things, that's sort of um, almost like your soul's plan. 
you know, I noticed on your podcast, like some of the things you talk about are um, kind of related to that soul map, like astrology and that kind of stuff. And so there's also sort of this idea that your soul kind of had a plan when it came in here. And so that spiritual connection is another place that can help you connect in and understand what you're supposed to be doing in any given moment. I feel like I'm just going all over the place. <laughs> no, I'm totally, I'm following. So, I mean, really what it is, is it's those different layers. And I'm, and I think just being able to pause and recognize that there are these different layers. There's these different ways that we can access information or make decisions, or like you said, expand in different layers as well, right? Like our mind can expand with knowledge. Our body can expand with, you know, recognizing what it needs, like all these different things. But really where to start, it sounds like is that practice of listening to all of these different layers, recognizing them as separate layers, you know, um, doing maybe even different practices for different layers, depending on how you feel that you operate or what works for you. Like for me, I'm even thinking, you know, for that, the knowledge, the brain, the logical side, it's like journaling, journaling out Mm -hmm. your thoughts, brain dumping, making lists, but not necessarily to-do lists or pros and cons, just like brain dumping, right? And then we get into the body where you said that yin yoga or any other, you know, practice. I mean, for me, a lot of the times it's boxing. Just oh, that, I love like, boxing. Yeah, that <laughs> physical, you know, uh, so many times at the end of a boxing session, I'm like crying, but yeah. it's like that release, right? That release. So anything that you have, I know I, for some people it's running, for some people it's cycling, whatever it is, you know, for you, that release where you can be moving your body. And you mentioned like the meridian points or whatever, where you're, you're releasing that energy. Okay. What does that bring up? And then the emotion side, and really the only way we can get into that emotional layer or feelings layer is either through that movement, that release, and then that recognizing it. So again, that exercise that you mentioned for the restaurant, and you could probably place that in, in anything, right? Like what movie would I hate to see? Or, you right. know, what, what dress would I hate to wear? <laughs> Whatever makes sense for you. And then lastly, yeah, that spiritual side, like you mentioned, we do talk about on the podcast. And sometimes you might need some clues, like maybe you do want to look at human design or astrology or go see an Akashic Records reader or a spiritual healer or something like that. But at the end of the day, that spiritual side is really tapping into your intuition at at its highest point, right? Really listening to that inner wisdom. So I think you laid it out very beautifully for people as to kind of recognize that your intuition isn't just that one voice. It's actually, it could be all these different layers, all these different ways that you get wisdom from yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. You've got it. And I think you're right with the, you know, with the movement, I think the thing to add in is, um, and this sort of comes from the yogic tradition, but it's like, the idea with yoga is you actually do the poses, then you sit in meditation. So it's moving the energy first, so that you get clear. And then you can get that information download that you are looking for. Mm. So I think, you know, when people go out for a run, if they have five minutes to just sit still without listening to a podcast or or like putting input into their mind in any way, they might find that that's when they get some of their best 
information. And a lot of people, you know, it's like the shower download where you're in the shower. It's sort of like you're doing something, but you're not really doing something and you're just letting your mind wander. And that's kind of when you can kind of also tap in. So it's for everyone, you know, I think that the whole like sitting still and meditation thing has never worked for me. And I can do it for like five minutes, but <laughs> um, it's, it's sort of like adding another layer of pressure. So what I often do is, like you said, journaling, I like to do automatic writing where I just sit with my journal, I ask a question, and then I just write down whatever comes up. And sometimes it's really profound and gives like really deep insights. And other times now I just kind of close my eyes and I sit with it because I've done enough practicing that I feel really centered and comfortable being able to tune in. But I've also noticed that some of the best stuff comes in when I'm taking a walk. Um, but again, I'm not someone that carries around my phone and is always listening to a book or a podcast. I usually just try to let there be nature sounds and then just kind of let my mind open up and to see what happens. So you, you said it exactly right. Everyone's going to have their own kind of methodology for how they start to work with their intuition. Um, and it's, it's just kind of playing with it to find what's exactly right for you. I love that you mentioned the exercise piece because I just had flashbacks to when I first started meditating years ago and same thing, like the only way I could do it is after exercise because it was like, it quieted me enough or it connected me enough that I felt like, oh my gosh, I could actually, you know, my body was exhausted. So that whole that it was easier to kind of drop into that space of, okay, you know what, I'm just going to sit here for five minutes and see what happens. Um, not even thinking of the connection until years later, like you mentioned of, well, actually you've moved the energy and this is the perfect time to sit and connect and, and tune in. So I would say for anyone who is struggling with their meditation practice, maybe, you know, add it on to the end of a walk or add it on to the end of your exercise or whatever kind of movement, um, you know, get getting yourself out of your body into your, your soul, right? And then I also love the fact that you mentioned that there's so many different ways that we can do this. And so I think it's really um, refreshing to hear a teacher or someone who practices this to say, like, find what works for you. Because I think a lot of times we feel like we have to try certain things that have worked for other people. But your message is really, you know, we're all going to get to the same end path, but how we get there might be different. So you know, here's your permission slip to try different things and just see what works best for you. Exactly. And I, I think, you know, um, doing kind of like specific trainings can really help like the one that I've got coming up in June, because it, it gives you confidence in, in, in your abilities, basically. So that's why I think the practice is so important and the testing different things out. And, and also you might be going through phases too. Um, I, the freebie on my website will have you go through a quiz that takes you and helps you figure out which is your primary clear. So if you're more clairvoyant, more clairaudient, more claircognizant, so how the information kind of comes into you naturally. But um, I've also noticed that I, it's it's like shifted for me over time. So there might be times when I'm feeling things more in my body and other times where I'm kind of getting a more visual download. And so you want to also be flexible and open so that things can change and shift and not really, I always talk about like how we kind of over direct the universe. <laughs> like I want it to be this way, but just be really open to 
how it would come in for you. And I'm kind of doing this like informal study with the cards. So I study the cards, which is cardology, the astrology and numerology of the playing cards. And I've got um, discover your blueprint, which is a course for each card on my website. So you can look up your card, you can actually look up your compatibility with someone else. But the cards would be similar to astrology, human design, where you're diving into your obstacles, your challenges, but also your purpose and your gifts. And um, the cards are, they have four suits, the playing cards. And each suit, you know, each person has a primary suit that they work with. And so, you know, I kind of had this philosophy that the suits might tell us a little bit more about our gifts. And I'm playing with it. But um, Alexi, what is the month and day of your birthday? Um, it's January 22nd. Okay, I actually know this one off the top of my head. You should be, I believe, the King of Hearts. No, backwards. Five of Diamonds. Okay, Five of Diamonds, King of Clubs. So you're the Five of Diamonds, which is the fives tend to need to make lists and like feel like they're trying to do everything all at once. Um, maybe feel like kind of overwhelmed by too many things. And we call you the self-sacrificing adventurer. So you might like to travel a lot. And I actually have a lot of good friends that have your card. Um, just kind of really solid centered people. Fives often are really good conversationalists. So it makes sense you're doing a podcast. Um, but anyway, so the diamonds, I think might be a little bit more clairvoyant than some of than some of the other suits. So if you are a diamond, you might be getting visual imagery, or you might be able to visualize really easily. Yeah, that's um, me, 100%. That's you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the clubs, I'm a club, and the clubs are knowledge-driven. And so they're the ones that are, like, trying to gather up all the information. So your second card is a club, so you will resonate with this some. But they're trying to find out all the information before they can make a decision. And so I, I've had to stop myself from doing that because it's just my natural tendency. But um, the my first kind of instinct is called clear cognizant, which is clear knowing, meaning I just know and I don't know why I know. I have no evidence. I've not seen anything. I've not heard anything. I just know. And so it's challenging because you have no evidence and you just have to kind of go with it. And it's not like I just know everything all the time. There are certain instances where, you know, somebody will say something and I'll be like, okay, I know that that's, that that is correct. It's like, I can just tell, or I just knew that that person was, I was going to run into that person when I went to the gym. So um, it's paying attention to that kind of stuff. And there's a free quiz and guide in my freebie on my website that will help you kind of figure this out. But so it's, it's learning how you get the information. It's practicing and it's intention in specifically when you have to make a decision or when you are faced with something that's a big deal to specifically sit and find time to go inside. And it doesn't need to be for six hours at a time. You mentioned the five minutes after you work out, that's plenty of time. You know, it's when you're working with your intuition, it's quick and it happens quickly. It's not like trying to figure out a math problem. So it's, and if you even look up the definition online about intuition, it's basically like almost like an instantaneous, like, I call it download of information or download of feeling or download of vision that, that happens in almost in an instant. So it's kind of, you know, it's the, the time you're putting into it is the practicing. And also I don't want to forget about this, which is 
confirming and like affirming. So even when I got a speeding ticket, <laughs> I affirmed, I was like, wow, Laura, it's only been 20 years. It's been 20 years since you got a speeding ticket. So good job on that. And then it was like, oh, and look at all these things, these signs you missed that were showing you that you needed to slow down before it happened. So even when something bad happens, you can still affirm that you and then not beat yourself that you, up that you missed the signs because I do it all the time. It's it's definitely a lifelong process. <laughs> yeah, and that just like strengthens your intuition muscle, I feel, right? The, it's the practicing, the recognizing, the, you know, watching, like you said, even if something bad happens or when something good happens, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, was I listening to my intuition? Was I listening to those signs or did I ignore them? And then later go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So I think the practice of five minutes after your workouts or however much time you can even start. It's like an investment in yourself in the long term because you're spending that time reconnecting with that intuition, but also practicing and like learning to trust and strengthening that intuition muscle so that maybe one day it is a little bit easier to listen the first time around, you know, to that, to that voice or that guide or however it comes to you. Right. And you don't miss it and get a speeding ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. I will definitely make sure your decision-making guide is linked inside the resources and everything, but I know you have a big trip that you are planning coming up that I wanted to ask you a little bit about as well. So can you briefly just tell us about that and how this ties in with intuition and everything we've been chatting about today? Yes, but I have to geek out for a second. I just, <laughs> I was, when we got on this first, first got on this um, and started recording, I was like, man, she is so good at being, being an interviewer and recapping and all of that. And then I look at your card and you're five and I was like, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like we need to do a whole episode one day just on reading that oh. because you said that the, the second card that you were describing was a club. Was that yeah, right? King, the king of clubs, which is honestly, I like, I don't really want to tell people that cards are better than others, but... <laughs> The King of Clubs is, well, Five of Diamonds is one of my favorites. The people that I know that are Five of Diamonds are some of my favorite people. And the King of Clubs, some of those people are, I have sisters that are twins that are King of Clubs. And they just, they're not dramatic. There's no BS with them. They just are really straightforward people. They make really good friends. It's just a great card. Yeah. And even you said like the Claire Cognizance, I know that that is, again, one of my gifts or the way that I you know, process information, process my intuition, all of that as well. So it's kind of funny that you mentioned that as a second card too, because it's like, yep, those are definitely the two that I've been playing with the most over the last couple of years is that the visuals and visualizing. And then also the same thing with the, that inner knowing that you described as perfectly as, as much as you can describe it. Right. Cause it's so, it's like, you just know, but how do you describe something that you just know? Well, you can't really, you have to experience it. So, right. Yeah. We will definitely have to do an episode on the cards they can go really deep. Um, but the trip I'm taking this fall is to walk the Camino in Spain and it's a not too long of a trip. We're actually cramming quite a bit of mileage into each day, but we're walking from a little town in Northwestern Spain called Orense. We're walking up to Santiago to finish where you normally finish. So if you don't know anything about the Camino, it's a walking pilgrimage, although people can cycle on it. And it really is one of those things that kind of draws you when it's your time. And so it's actually over a thousand years old. And it started because these people found, I'm going to put quotation marks around this, the remains of St. James the Great out in the middle of nowhere in a field in Northwestern Spain. (laughs) 
And the Catholic Church capitalized on that and started um, kind of almost like advertising it to their people. And then people started to walk to that area, which was nothing. And now is a town because of the Camino. And Ferdinand and Isabella built a hospital that's now a hotel in the plaza where the church is that you end up. So it's very much like a cultural experience. It's a religious experience. Um, it's a spiritual experience. And it's very much, you know, something that calls to you when the time is right. So if you want to know more about it, you can check out my website, but you can also get a book. Shirley MacLaine wrote a book about it called The Camino. And there's also a movie on YouTube with Martin Sheen in it that's called The Way. And those are just kind of some ways to get exposure to it. But Paulo Coelho also wrote a book about it too. So you can find out lots more information, but if it's piquing your interest and you're like, Camino, I feel like I need to do that. Check out my website, <laughs> listen to your inner wisdom and we'll have a great time. That's amazing. I've had friends who've done that in the past as well. And I mean, the stories that they tell and all of that from it. I mean, yeah, if, if you're feeling that call, definitely reach out to Laura. And if anything, it's that planting that seed. Maybe the time isn't now, but it's in the future. And this is like that first step to expansion for you uh, for something like that, right? So amazing. I'll make sure that your website is linked. And um, again, that decision-making guide, the freebie we chatted about, but is there any best way to contact you if people want to learn more about you or work with you? Um, is it your website or where's the best place to get in touch? Yeah, so my website is lauratheintuitive.com, and I'm also on um, Instagram and Facebook under the same thing. So that's it. lauratheintuitive.com is where you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today, Laura. Yeah, thank you so much, Lexi. It was lovely. Wait, before you go, I wanted to say thanks for listening to the Magnetic Business Podcast. You can join the business building conversations over on Instagram at the Magnetic Business Coach. Be sure to subscribe and follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. We put out new episodes each week. If you're interested in booking a coaching call with me or enrolling in one of my business courses, you can do that directly on the website, LexiSparrow.com. And by the way, have you had a chance to leave a review for the podcast yet? Podcast reviews help us connect to more like-minded people just like you, and they help me grow the show. It only takes a few minutes of your time. When you leave a five-star rating with a positive review over on Apple Podcasts for the Magnetic Business Podcast, you are automatically entered to win a 25-minute business breakthrough coaching call with me. Don't forget to email hello at LexiSparrow.com when you do leave a review because this lets me get in touch with you when your name is pulled in the draw. Just a reminder, your name stays in until you win.